You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, welcome to the Fair Game Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're having an amazing day. Before we get started today, I want to thank all of you that have listened to the show, that have come on the show. I want you all to know that I am very grateful for every one of you. Um, for those who listen, to those who post words of encouragement and support on Facebook, to those who share the podcast with their friends, all of you who are part of the show, I am just so grateful for you and thank you. You all mean the world to me. On today's show, we welcome our 54th guest of the season. He's an accomplished entertainer, having performed for Coca-Cola and Bass Pro Shops, and he's even been featured in the Zach Brown Band video for Goodbye in Her Eyes. His show, Louie's Comedy Circus, makes its way around the country entertaining fairgoers of all ages. Folks, this is Lee Andrews. Lee, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. Thank you, buddy, for having me. Boy, you've got the you've got the voice. You've got the entertainer's projected voice going on today. <laughs> yeah, I was just born this way. This is just this is just what I sound like. It's it's God's gift to the world. <laughs> well, own that voice, man. Own it if you've got it. <laughs> Listen, Lee, you've got some pretty big names there on your resume. So I want to talk about the Zach Brown Band video. That I went and I looked sure. at it. It's about almost ten years ago now. If I was looking at the date on YouTube correctly. I went back and I watched it and I saw a couple of familiar faces in that video. Yeah. How did, how did you end up connecting with the Zach Brown band? So, so through uh, Joey Thurman and, and his wife, Jamie, uh, they had booked that video while I was on tour with them for their production of Nojo's clown circus. And uh, we, Oh my gosh, that was one of the most interesting things uh, I've done to date. It was the coldest day I can ever remember it being. Um, we we just kind of were there to hurry up and wait, you know, like most uh, film work is. And uh, and there were golf balls everywhere because it was shot in Zach Brown's backyard, and uh, there were just millions of golf balls all over the place. So we would bet, we would you know do little bets on who was going to break their ankle next walking across this because everybody would trip and fall and animals would trip and fall. But, but we made the connection through Joey and uh, they booked in the, the, the wheel and the, and the, the ladder. Uh, uh, it was, it was an amazing time. We all kind of got to go hang out and, and through there, I actually became good friends with Zach and, and now provide Santa to him and his family throughout, throughout the Christmas season. So um, oh, that's terrific. You know, yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a great, it was a great thing. We had, we had a good time. Uh, but boy, did we almost freeze to death and, uh, you know, it, but it was, it was a good time to hang out with a lot of familiar faces. And, and, you know, what was interesting is we didn't, when, when it was booked, we knew we were booked, but we didn't know that other people we knew were booked. So when we were, when we got there to set up, it was like, ah, you're here. And it was just, it all just kind of clicked. It was, it was a lot of fun. Right. It was good seeing Jamie in the video doing yeah. a little aerial work. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> of course, um, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, uh, you mentioned Jamie, she, you know, now and her, her new husband, uh, Matias, they just welcomed their, their baby not long ago. So that's very exciting for Charlie them. Is so awesome. And Jamie, Jamie is amazing. She, uh, she is one of the good things that came through, came the friendship that came out of that tour was one of the best things. She's, she's amazing people. Yep. She really is, uh, quietly one of the kindest, um, 
and most fiercely loyal people you could ever want to meet. So oh, I'm, I'm very, I'm thrilled for her and, and Matthias and I'm, I'm glad he's recovered health wise from, uh, from the incident he had. Oh, what um, a that, was. that was, you know, that was awful. And it, was it, um, was it a grounded wire? I mean, what happened that caused, do you, do you know that caused it? So from, from my understanding was the, the, they set up where the fair told them to set up after Jamie, you know, specifically said, you know, that's, that's kind of a low hanging wire there. Uh, but they did what the fair wanted and they set up and, and, uh, uh, Matias was on top of the trailer, raising the marquee and, you know, across the marquee of their show, they have flags up top. He went to put up the flag and it arced, uh, from the flag for, from the wire to the flagpole. And, uh, okay. Jamie was in the house, heard the big boom, um, and it was, that was it. And, uh, luckily Matias is still here. Yeah, uh, you know, I call him Sparky, uh, because I, yeah, but you can uh, laugh about it now, but not, that's but right. Not we can then. laugh about it now, but it was not a laughing matter at the time. And, and, uh, but you, you know, they still pulled off performing something at that fair through all of it. So you talk about great people and, and a great act, you know, Matias and Jamie have, have got that covered. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled for them and that they've gotten, you know, they've overcome a lot, a lot of challenges in their lives. And now that they've got this uh, beautiful new baby that I love seeing the pictures that they're posting, you know, they're just fantastic people. And, and uh, Matias and Jamie, if y'all are listening, we wish you guys the best. I'm curious. So back to that Zach Brown video, what's it like shooting a music video? Is it just doing the same thing over and over and over? And then they shoot it at different angles. Like how many hours are you out there shooting? Uh, oh, we were out there probably 12 or 13 hours. Um, and it was an early morning call. What was great is we were told we weren't, uh, we weren't allowed to do our own makeup for that. Um, and so as a clown, your automatic worry is, okay, it's someone from Hollywood. It's someone from the movie background. They're obviously not going to know how to do a traditional circus clown makeup. So what, are, what, what ugly mess are they going to make you look like? But luckily we got there that, that morning and uh, went into wardrobe and hair and makeup. And they said, okay, we don't know what to do with you. Put your regular stuff on. And if we like it, we'll approve it and put you out there, which made it, you know, made me very happy. I got to, I got approved. I got to wear my regular circus makeup and go out and do my thing. But a lot of hurry up and wait, you know, for the first half of the morning, if I remember right, we mostly did the same scene over and over and over and over again. And it was the opening scene where I'm standing there. And, and that, that was the other thing that was frustrating. They couldn't figure out what to do with me. So they gave me a broom of all things they, they could give me. They gave me a broom and said, do something with it. So I did as many different things. I could balancing the broom, spinning the broom, sweeping the grass. I just did as much different stuff with that as I could. Um, and, and then it was, they kind of split us up and they would go shoot different things um, so they would shoot some inside the tent. They would shoot the, like the roustabout scene in the back with the animals and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, you know, so they, it was a long day, but after we got through the first bulk of it, it kind of sped up faster because we were able to split off and go shoot different things. But, uh, for, for a while there, it was very monotonous because we kept doing the same thing over and over freezing to death, standing in the same spot. Right. Well, it's a terrific video. It's a great song. If anybody listening, um, you know, you listen to this discussion, the video is Goodbye in Her Eyes. It's by the Zach Brown Band. You can check it out on YouTube. Um, you'll see some very familiar faces. Uh, I, You know, 
Lee, I just think that's really cool um, that you ended up, you know, getting involved with that project. I'm yeah, curious. We had a lot of fun with it. How, how did you get into entertainment to begin with? So I, I live in Georgia and I, I grew up in a very rural podunk part of Georgia. And, and we used to get the, uh, the Super Sunday Bozo show out of Chicago with Joey Diaria, who's a good friend now. And uh, Joey was the Bozo at the time and I was three years old and we were watching the Bozo show. And I remember looking over at my dad and saying, dad, I want to be a clown and I want to make people happy. And my dad ran a, a trucking company and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And my dad, in his whatever wisdom he had at that time, said, okay, let's figure this out. He, he was a truck, truck guy. He knew nothing from, from performance or background, you know, for clowns or anything like that. Um, so from that moment on, uh, anytime we could do anything remotely involving clowning, it was we walked it, talked it, lived it, breathed it, ate it, sleep it. It was, it was that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, before, when I was like four or five or six, I would start going to the national and international clown conventions, competing in the competitions and winning awards and, um, having fun doing that kind of stuff. And then when I was about eight or, or nine or so, um, I figured out I could make money doing it. And, uh, that's a good thing. Making yeah, money doing that's a good thing. Yeah. I told my dad at that point, uh, once I figured out I could make money doing this, I said, dad, I'm, I'm going to make this a career. And at eight or nine, my dad tells me now, he said, you know, I thought, yeah, this is just a phase. When we hit high school, you'll find out something you want to do different. And uh, it never changed. It, it never wavered. Um, all through high school, I, I clowned. I would fourth or fifth period be putting on clown makeup to go do school shows or go do birthday parties or whatever at the time. Um, I was able to book pretty much anything I could get my foot in the door to go do. And, uh, you know, I, I was blessed because I had a great school system that supported me, even though I was different than everybody else in the school. Uh, they, you know, the, the superintendent at the time told my parents, he said, I, I don't know what to teach your child here, but if you need to pull him out and take him somewhere to go learn what he wants to do, we'll support that as long as his grades stay up here. So, um, you know, they recognized that it was a passion and I, I was, you know, I was different than everybody else, but yet they supported it. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the first times I, when I first stepped foot into the fair market was 2004 for the Georgia state fair, I was 12 years old. So that was the first time I ever worked a fair. And, um, you were 12 years old in 2004, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 29 now. So yeah, a, a lot of people don't know this. You're, You're just realizing he didn't know that either on this podcast. If I, had, I had no idea. I would, uh, you know, I think once you get to 40, you just kind of assume everybody around you is about your age or older and you forget there's this whole class, you know, whole group of young people up and coming. And I'm like 29. Call, call me when yeah. you turn 30, then you'll officially be an adult in my eyes. There you go. Yeah. You're still, yeah. You're still a kid. Well, I, I love having this extra year of excuses to do stupid things. But, uh, but, you know, uh, so growing up, it was, this was always my passion. This was always going to be somehow or another, this was what I was going to do for a living. And, and to this day, even through a pandemic and all the craziness, I, I've been blessed enough not to have to get another job. I've been able to clown and, and make a, make a living and provide for our family. And, and, uh, 
you know, it's, it's been a wild ride. Holy cow. It's just, it's been incredible. So clowning around in your little comedy circus show that you've got going on, what can the audience expect from you? You know, they never let me watch the show. So I, it's kind of hard for me to talk about it, but uh, yeah, uh, but you know, it's, it, it's kind of like an old vaudeville show wrapped around this short fat guy with a red nose that is just kind of a smorgasbord of the things that I enjoy to do. Uh, so juggling and, and, you know, no, no offense to magicians, but uh, silly magic and, and just things that mainly empower children. Because I think you know this from your background, there are a lot of people that perform uh, that love to make kids look very stupid on stage or love to make them look very silly. Uh, yeah. and, and that's not what I'm about because I, I want kids to come up, feel comfortable, feel safe, and uh, look like heroes every time they walk away. So um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of a, a rule of thumb I have is if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. So the show is just balls the wall fun for 30 minutes or however long I'm out there. Sure. Now from the fair side of things, if you're a fair manager, um, what can a fair buyer expect? Like, do you, are you bringing in all your own production and, you know, sound lights, all that jazz? What, what do yeah. you, what's on yeah. there? So, so from a, from a fair buyer standpoint, I bring in a 41 foot fifth wheel travel trailer that is wrapped on one side to look like a comedy circus or look like a, a circus big top. And then I perform on that side of the fifth wheel and the other side of the fifth wheel looks like a traditional camper because uh, Rebecca and I have the feeling of when we're on the road, we want work to be on one side, home is on the other. So I can leave work on one side and come home after every show. So I live on the grounds in that, in that fifth wheel travel trailer. The show is physically attached to the, to the side of the trailer. Uh, I bring the lights, the sound, the stage, the, you name it, it, it's with me, anything I need. I just ask the fair to give me power and water so that we can take showers and they don't have to smell us for a week. Yeah. 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 That's, you know, taking a shower is kind of a good thing. <laughs> kind of an important thing. Yeah. yeah. Especially, especially when you work close with people like we do, but, uh, but yeah, you know, you know it's, it didn't always start out that way. When I, the first fair I did, I was hired by Harold Carlisle for the Georgia State Fair. And uh, it was just a strolling show. And my dad was like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And I told dad, I said, I don't really either, but we're going to figure it out. And finally, we went and had a meeting with Mr. Carlisle. And, and really, Mr. Carlisle is the reason I'm in the fair market and have the, the, the job that I have now in the fair industry because he's in that meeting, he sat us down. He said, okay, this is what you charge people. This is what you, this is what we expect. This is what we, he, he, he spent four or five hours with us just laying out the entire fair market and even went with us to our first fair convention when I was 13 or 14 and worked the booth with us wow. and, and helped us market to people. So uh, when I first started, it was just strolling. And then I gradually moved into figuring out um, I want to have a stage. I want to do a show. I want to, so I ha I've been through five or six variations of stage trailers and we've reached this, this fifth wheel travel trailer, uh, set up that, you know, we, we love because I, I most of the time travel by myself, but when my wife and our, and my, my kid, uh, Ashton, when my son Ashton comes and visits, they have a place to cool off and relax and hang out and it works out very well for us. Yeah. Yeah, it does work out, but unfortunately, it didn't work out well for many of us last year. Um, no. 2020 was, was it's just not a lot of fun talking about it. 
but we've all got a story to tell. Um, so curious if you ended up performing it all in 2020. I got two fairs in 2020, well into the pandemic, uh, which I was shocked about. I did one fair in in Iowa, uh, the Hancock County Fair in Britt, Iowa. Okay. And then I was able to get uh, a fair, Columbia County Fair in Grovetown, Georgia uh, in October. So those were my two fairs that I got in. Uh, the rest of the stuff that I did in 2020 was either virtual for libraries and schools, um, or I just enjoyed being at home with family, which was an amazing, an amazing that I got out of 2020 was just being home. So, you yeah. know, it, even though it was a rough year for us, um, I look back on it now and even into this year that I'm just thankful to have the time home because I haven't, uh, Rebecca and I were talking about it. I've never had the opportunity to just be home like this. So this was nice. That's been a sentiment among a lot of people that I've spoken with on the podcast um, you know, not just from the entertainment side, but, you know, we spoke with Steve Seaver from IFE recently, and it was um, um, a little different for them being home at Thanksgiving. Cause you know, at IFE, they're always, that whole crew is on the road, either going, you know, they're getting the convention and trade show set up. That's right. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was looking back through, uh, cause we have this social media stuff, the Facebook stuff, and it's, it's interesting through 2020, Facebook memories would pop up and you would go, oh yeah, I should be traveling to that right now. Or, oh yeah. And in fact, Jamie, Matias, Dwayne Reynolds, who's an, another amazing former and one of my best friends in the world, always pile in the car and drive overnight together to San Antonio for IAFE. And, uh, and that Facebook memory popped up and it made me really sad because that's just a fun trip that we do together every year. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of those, um, moments for us there was the we would have been getting on a plane to fly to australia <laughs> there was the that's right we would have been at the uh, you know the verde valley fair in arizona there was the i should be driving to the oc fair right now there was all those moments over and over again throughout the year and and fairs had them too you know one of the fairs we spoke with had had changed dates um i'm i'm blanking which one it was right off the top of my head but the fair manager said you know our dates were you know, in, in, uh, I guess in September when they decided to move to July. So right. not only did they get that moment in July where they were like, this is the day we were supposed to start the fair. But then again, in September when they were like, this is when we usually would have started the fair. That's right. Yeah. It, it, it was, Oh gosh. 2020 is the year that we will talk about for quite a while. I'm perfectly ready of, to stop talking about it quite frankly. Yeah, But, but <laughs> you know, we, we won't be able to, because at some point, when we get over all of this, that will be a great year with a lot of laughs that we can share together at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what point last year did you realize this can be a little more serious than, than maybe we initially thought? So it, it all happened in the matter of a weekend. Um, it was like the March 14th, March 13th, somewhere around in there. And it all happened while I was in the hospital. Uh, I was in the hospital with shingles. Yeah, that's um, good. No, I went in thinking I had a kidney stone or something like that and wound up having shingles. And it was, it was actually a shingles doesn't sound like a blessing, but it, but it, uh, or the pandemic doesn't sound like a blessing, 
But when the pandemic started really picking up steam and stuff started canceling, rather than me having a call from the hospital saying, hey, Louie won't be here for your library show this week, people were calling me going, because of the pandemic, hey, we're not going to have you this week. And I'm thinking, great, no problem. We'll, 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 we'll make it work. Well-timed um, cancellations. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was perfectly timed. But yeah, it was really in that first week of March or that, that first full weekend of March where I started going, yeah, we need to be prepared that this stuff is going to start dropping like flies. Yeah. And, uh, and sure enough, it, it did. Um, I had some that tried to hold on and tried to, to make it happen, but it just nothing could come to fruition. And, uh, and then you have, you know, like the one fair in Iowa that I got in, uh, I think I picked up that fair, uh, thanks to, to Kyle Palmer and, and Bobby at Artisan Attractions, maybe two weeks before the fair actually happened. Um, it was a, we were vacationing at Gatlinburg and Kyle called. He said, have you got this week open? This is where you're going. I said, okay. Cause that week I should have been in, um, Cedarburg, Wisconsin for their fair, but yeah. you know, uh, and then the Grovetown, Georgia fair, they held on and, and it was about the last minute where they finally figured out yep, we're going to go. And, uh, and they, then they did it, but yeah, it, it, man, sitting here thinking, cause I haven't really thought about it. And I knew when we started talking about this today, I would start thinking about it mid conversation. And when you think about it, 2020 was goodness. It was a heck of a year. Yeah. It was a mess. It was a complete cluster. It was a, it was a, yeah. It was a train wreck. Now you and uh, you and Rebecca, you live down there in Georgia, correct? Yes. What's the COVID response looking like down there? I mean, are you guys still locked down, partially open, kids in school? Like, what are we looking at? Uh, you know, I don't think we, we were, we were, we were fully locked down for maybe all of two or three months. And then slowly, but surely everything opened back up within a matter of a month. Um, so everything here is back open, back operational, um, masks are, uh, required in some counties, some counties they're, they're just suggested, uh, social distancing is su suggested the the sanitizer but in terms of actually being open Georgia is is open and and has been pretty lax in in actual uh, you know covid precautions since probably June July. since last summer June yeah. July time yeah yeah and and you know that because uh, I do Santa at Christmas time uh, I really, I really got to work heavy this Christmas uh, because I live in an area where we're, we're not shut down. Um, but I still, you know, still played it safe because I don't want to give anybody anything, just like I don't want to catch anything. Uh, my wife is a nurse practitioner, so she comes home and, and that was the thing I, I always said, if Rebecca comes home and says, okay, the crap has hit the fan then I can back off doing or promoting or trying to work. Um, but not, not at one point did she come home and, and say, you know, the crap has hit the complete fan, but she, you know, she always guided, she still guides me on being safe and what I need to do and, and all that kind of stuff. We take it very seriously, but at the same time, um, we've got to make a living, you know? Yeah. It's been uh, pretty difficult for anybody in our industry to be able to make a living in the yeah. last year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking affairs and, and almost daily on the podcast and, 
the challenges they have faced, um, you know, the emotional burden of having to furlough, you know, friends. Uh, We've said over and over on the show, this is not an industry that, you know, you're not just some nameless employee. These, we are friends and family that have worked together for decades that, that some of the fair managers have had to furlough. Um, it's really difficult. It's, it's been very challenging. Um, it's become apparent. I think that more of us need to be, you know, whether we're entertainers or fair managers or vendors, concessionaires, whatever, more of us need to be keeping in touch with each other and, and checking in on one another to make sure everybody's doing okay. Are you keeping in touch with some of your friends in the industry and how do they seem to be handling this? So I'm pretty sure people who listen to this that know me well know that I spend 95% of my time on the phone calling people, Um, fairs, uh, colleagues that perform. uh, I am on the phone constantly calling and checking, not promoting a show just to see what I can do for them. And I, and I've always done that. Uh, That's not, that's not, been brought on by the pandemic. That's, that's, you know, something that I've always done, you know, because the relationship I have with, with people is more important than money is more important than, um, you know, a job in of itself. So yeah, I I'm on the phone every day calling and checking on people and it, you know, the promising thing for me when I talk to, let's say some fair clients that I have, is most of them are, are optimistic and hopeful that this year they will be able to pull off a fair in some shape, form, or fashion, uh, whether it be a full fair or whether it be a mini fair or whatever it may be in between, they are hopeful and they, are, they have a positive outlook that they can actually do something this year and that they can bring back people like you and I, employees that they have furloughed, that, that whatever quote-unquote life is is starting to get back to normal. Yeah. That's when we spoke to Jeremy Parson at Clay County, his feeling is that 21, if they get to open, will be the life raft that gets them to 22 and things start to look a little more normal by then. And then hopefully by 23, everything industry-wide, nationwide, that we're all back to normal. Um, you know, I hate the thought of, it, it crushed me the other day when, when Houston announced their cancellation again. And I know Clark County over in Nevada just announced their cancellation. Of course, these are earlier fairs. These are spring fairs. And I think there's still a general vibe in our industry from the folks that I talked to that it's going to be probably somewhere around July that we start to get things back in our favor. Right. I, I, I sure I, hope so because fairs got to, they got to open at minimum. They got to start getting their non-fair revenue, their, the, the, you know, the rental income. Right. Going right. again. I feel like at, at this point, in time, it's very important we start building the snowball so that, you know, it can start rolling downhill as yeah. quickly as possible so that, you know, we, it, it's important to me that we at least save the fairgrounds and the, and the, and that rental income as much as we possibly can so that they can survive regardless yep. of if they have a fair or not. Yeah. Because I think in talking to most of these fairs, they can get by a couple of years without having the fair. It's difficult, but they can get by, but they can't get by going 24 months without hosting a gun show, without hosting an RV and, you know, a boat show or a home and garden show, or like they need those events going on in order to, to make things happen. Right. Right. Yeah. What's What's been the biggest challenge for you? Do you feel like navigating this pandemic? Uh, 
the biggest challenge for me navigating the pandemic has has been the 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 fact that I have free time. So you know, <laughs> I don't I I don't know what to do with having free time because I'm either on the road driving or performing or building, which I haven't stopped that. But there's only so much of that you can do in a in a normal day. So you know, you created the the podcast out of you know you'd started it, but I mean it really blossomed during all this. Yeah, and uh, I've got a little podcast that I do, uh, and, and you know, so I'm trying to find stuff to fill the void. Um, and another big thing for me is the virtual performance aspect of everything. Um, because I, I, you know, other than working heavily in the fair market, I work a lot in the library and school market. And uh, the, the performing virtually for the libraries is what saved me last summer during summer reading month. And uh, trying to figure all of that out in a very short amount of time uh, was a big learning curve, but we got through it, we made it. Um, but the performing virtually is way different than performing in live. And, and I, I love performing live as much as anybody, but doing the virtual show was really cool because it gave me the, gave me the idea of, uh, or gave me the, the view of what it's like putting together a children's TV show. And, yeah. uh, you know, which was, which was a lot of fun, but that was a, that was a big challenge, but I'm, I'm glad that, you know, the bulk of that challenge was taken on. And, and now this year, if we have to do it, um, it'll be, it'll be that much easier. Well, and if you consider, it's interesting to me, you know, we've just spent because of a very contentious election, we've spent a year listening to, um, you know, Facebook censoring this, Facebook this, you know, the Russians bought Facebook ads and blah, 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 and Facebook, you know, social media bad. And I'm like, can you imagine what they went through in 1918 with the, the <laughs> Spanish flu with the H1N1 back then? Um, yeah. Where they they basically were relying on newspapers or, or it just to get their information right. you're transmitting information so quickly about this virus it blows my mind that it's still dragging on as fast as we are transmitting information and and even beyond that when you think about businesses how many businesses have been able to stay alive because they can they had an online platform to sell their products you know what right. i mean right yeah it's uh it's that double-edged sword of you know, social media is the social media is the devil, Bobby, or <laughs> it's the know, devil. It's the devil, but <laughs> at the same time, it saved the it saved the the butt of a lot of people through this. Sure. Well, so, and think about people that are are vulnerable that need to get groceries. They can literally hit their smartphone, order their Walmart groceries, and have it delivered. It's they incredible. Don't have, they don't have to go out and be exposed. This. Social media is a tool, okay? And I've said this for a real long time. I don't think social media changed who we are. I think it exposed who we are. If you oh, were, if you were, if you were kind and grateful and and a nice person, you now have a platform and the tools to spread that kindness. If right. you were a jackass, you now have the platform and the tools to be a bigger jackass. You know, right. it's this is a tool. How you use it is up to you. Um, I, most of the people that I associate with, uh, you know, they're they're doing great. They're anything from you know connecting with friends and family, sharing you know photos of like like Jamie and Matthias. Here's the new baby, and everybody's so thrilled for them since we can't be with them and see the baby right now. 
these are fantastic things. This podcast, you know, your ability to do a virtual show for kids in the library at the library at home, you know, and still connect with them. These are right. really powerful tools. Yeah, it, it, it's been amazing. Good. And you're right. It, it, it is exposed. Um, there, there have been, uh, how do I say this without getting, there have been entertainers that I've known were jackasses. Uh, but throughout the pandemic, watching their, their interaction in our industry on Facebook has just further proven that, oh, you're a, you're a really big one. And yeah. uh, it, it, it's been incredible just to sit back. You know, one of the big things I was always taught growing up is you sit back and shut up and you'll learn all you need to know. And uh, so sitting back early on in the pandemic, watching social media, I learned a lot about people that I kind of knew, but they just affirmed it and, and confirmed it themselves. So, yeah, yeah but, but you're right. It's an amazing tool. Um, I'm thankful that we have it. Um, and I think it gives... Uh, different platforms to different people to do uh whatever it is they want to do with it um it's just it's incredible you know the amount of information how quickly yeah you're right how quickly it can get out is mind-blowing yes yep and that's why i don't i wonder what this what this particular virus would have looked like had this been the one that hit in 1918 um you know back then they didn't they didn't have the same kind of sanitation that we have now um, there was not the the same number of people don't didn't have as much clean running water and as we do in a modern times, um, you know, and to be able to get information out quickly about where the virus is, where there's hot spots, where you need to avoid, you know, what you need to do to you know avoid getting sick. I don't know. I, I think our technology, for as much as it gets bashed, and you know, I think there's some I think there's some legitimate concerns when you look at it politically and. Um, how Facebook and social media may have had an influence on, on, you know, the electoral outcome. I think there's right. question, fair questions to get asked, but I don't think that when I hear people say, Oh, you know, social media is just awful. It's just garbage. Well, there's, let me tell you, there's plenty of garbage out there. Just like right. if you get off social media and go out into the real world, there's plenty of garbage. Are you going to associate with it is the question. Are you going right. to mingle with it? Or are you going to go, you know, lift up you know lift up positive voices and and spread spread good vibes then i you know i think social media does and and our technology does is a great thing i think it's yeah. connected people in ways that we never could have imagined even you know even 10 or 12 years ago when smartphones you know the iphone came out in what 2007 2008 it blows my mind to see how much technology has changed in 10 or 12 years and to think that i'm only 41 by the time I'm 53, which would be another 12 years, I can't even imagine what it's going to look like with how fast things are moving. It's, it's quite scary to think about. But, you know, think about when we go to the fair conventions with each other. Uh, we hardly have any time to spend with each other while we're working the trade show floor. We can do some things afterwards, you know, where, where we can go and hang out together. But Without social media, I think it would been it would be really difficult for us to have the relationships we have with other people in our industry without some type of social media platform. Of course, uh, yeah. So it's you know I I I remember parts of life where I didn't have it, and I remember, but I remember more from where I do have it, and yep. uh, I'm very thankful for this section where we've got it, so I can do a better job of keeping up with people. Well, and you can tell who who in our industry understands how to use the platforms 
and who right. doesn't because right. you always get the people that the the value of and this is not a shot at steve or anybody at ife but the value of the ife trade show and the trade shows in general i think has come down a little bit because you they're not the only place that you get facetime with these people anymore you know i've heard i've heard that i mean it's still don't get me wrong it's still extremely powerful it's almost always going to be a part of of our marketing for our business um but if you think about it you hear other acts or other you know exhibitors at the trade show go oh this trade show stunk i hardly get to to, got to really see anybody or visit with anybody and i'm like you've got a 24 7 365 access to them that's right with that device in your pocket put more content out you literally year round can be marketing to them without having to send, without having a cold call, without having to send emails, without just literally put it out there and let the world see it and let the market see it. You have a 24 seven ability to do that. And they don't. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not the best at the, at the, at the Facebook marketing aspect of it. Um, but I'm damn good at keeping up with people and staying in touch with them yep. through Facebook. And, you know, it, I have the superpower of having a killer memory of remembering weird details. People will tell me or remembering uh, a fair manager's kids that I met for all of two seconds um, and, and having the, the Facebook and the social media has been able to amp up that superpower even more because now I've got, and, and at Santa Claus too, oh my goodness, people, you know, people just freak when you know grandma's name or when you know their dog's name or, you right. know, but, but through Facebook, it's the greatest, uh, it's the greatest uh, snooping big brother thing for Santa <laughs> I could ever, I could ever have. Well, let me tell you what I do with it. Um, I haven't done a lot in the last year because of COVID, but um, and I just put a video out. Um, I shared a video. It was an older one that um, I mentioned this at a, one of the talks, the social media talks I gave. I think it was at, at maybe at Western Fairs. But I think fairs can use social media to surprise and delight their audience. Literally, the example I gave was, you know, let's say you go, a fair goes on Instagram and searches their hashtag, you know, hashtag uh, Oklahoma State Fair right. as an example. And they find a picture where it's mom and a kid with a beaming smile and the caption says, you know, Hey, little Johnny was, he's finally was big enough to go on the roller coaster or the Ferris wheel or whatever. He had, we had such a great time at the fair. I think the fair should direct message those people and say, you know, Hey, Jan, whatever mom's name is really glad you had so much fun at our fair. And it was terrific to see that little Johnny could finally get on the roller coaster. When you get a chance um, swing by our office. We've got something for you. And then give little Johnny a county fair hat or a little something um, as a token of your appreciation. The little surprises and delights like that are very powerful. I take it a step deeper. I, if you're a fair manager, just know that I'm creeping on your profiles and I'm watching and I'm waiting for the right time. The example I give of this is there is a fair manager down in Florida um, who, like me, is a huge fan of Motown music. Boys to Men's been my favorite group my whole life. Um, she's all about, you know, the old school Motown, the Four Tops, and Smokey Robinson, the Miracles, and the Temptations, and whatnot. And we were getting ready to sign a two-year contract with them. And I decided that I was going to reach out to her in a really unique way. And so I went on 
uh, I went on eBay and I found a signed gold record from the Temptations. And I had like four of their signatures on it. Of course, they've had like 15 guys over the years that have been in the group, but I had four of their signatures on it. And I framed it up and I shipped it down to her with a note that said, you know, something to the effect of, you know, I know you love Motown. Um, I do too. Um, enjoy this. And, you know, thanks for the, you know, thanks for committing with me for two years or whatever the, whatever right. the note said. But it blew her away. Oh, yeah. She's, you know, she's like, well, he really is paying attention. And at one point, um, I, I had someone come up to me um, and ask me about that. And they were like, I forget what it was, which group, which artist it was. But somebody came up and said to me, hey, you were the one that sent um, you sent that that record of the Temptations to so-and-so, right? I said, yeah. And uh, he goes, that's really cool. Um, just, you know my wife's a huge, I think it was a Brad Paisley fan or something like that. And I was like, Oh, I get it. I see how it is. And it's really funny. Cause um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk's got a very similar story. And so the day that like, I knew I was going to send the, the record of the temptations and I thought that'd be it. But then the day, like three months later, when at the Florida convention, one, and it was a board member came right. from another fair, came up to me and said this, I was like, are you kidding me? This is like exactly what happened to Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> So, so I do that. So you can use anyhow, long story short, you can use, you can go through if you're, if you're a, uh, an entertainer, you should be going through and seeing who's the fair managers that are hiring you, the entertainment directors, figure out what they're into and then send them something. As a, Cause I mean, listen, if you just want to send a thank you card, go for it. But I think you can play thank you economy a bit bigger and have some build context with them uh, because then you, they know you're really paying attention and understanding who they are. So. Well, and so you, you, I, I caught snippets of that because you put little bits and pieces out of doing the lecture at whichever convention that was, and and I am notorious for for Instagram stalking, Facebook <laughs> stalking, uh, friends and myself when we're hashtag being at a fair or whatever. If they hashtag Louis the Clown or Louis Comedy Circus, so I I went okay more than just saving these i started after you after you put out a snippet i i started sending messages to these people on the fairgrounds and i would tell them i'd say hey thank you so much for coming to see my show today it is my job as the ambassador of the fair here to make sure that you're having the best time possible i have a special gift for you and your family come back by the show and uh, i can't wait for you to get your gift and i'll give them a little louis swag uh, anything just to, just to elevate their experience of being at the fair, because ultimately that's, that's what I think my job as Louie is, is to be an ambassador for the fair that I'm working at. And for all of us, that's the job yeah. for all of us. You know, it amazed me when Sarah and I, my wife and I worked for Disney, um, on the Disney college program back in 2000, that's where we met. And it always amazed I So I was, let's see, I think it was 20. And, um, it always amazed me how, you could change someone's entire day with a, a, a Mickey sticker that costs less than a penny. Right. It just blew my mind that you'd see, you know, as I was in custodial and so you'd be walking up and down, you know, you're sweeping trash, not a super glamorous job, but probably the most glamorous custodial job on the planet working for <laughs> doing it for Disney world. 
and uh, you know, you're walking up and down the street and you're sweeping and they always tell you, you know, they encourage um, guest interaction. And so, you know, if you see a, a family sitting there on the bench and they're looking at the map, you walk up to them and say, Hey folks, how, how's everything going today? Oh, well, we're, we're doing great. Um, I see, you know, checking out the map or you, is there something I can help you guys find? Well, we're trying to figure out a good place to eat. We want to, we want a good cheeseburger. Oh, you know, and of course they give you, um, at the time they would give you this little list of, um, in the pocket that was kind of like a, a flash of everything in the park. So you could right. get an idea of where to, where to send them. And, um, you know, you chat with the kid a little bit. Oh, what ride did you go on? Oh, I finally went on. You know, I finally went on Space Mountain and I was so scared. Oh, you did, but you survived and you did a great job. Here, I got a present for you. You give them a little Mickey sticker. They're beaming like they just got won the lottery over yeah. a Mickey sticker. Yeah. You know, so any little touch like that you can put on your guest experience builds the relationship, the long-term relationship with those guests. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I love it when I go to a fair and I partner with a fair and they give me tools that help me do that. So whether they have a really nice laid out brochure with a map on it, because it, you know, if a, if a family is on my bleachers after the show, there's no way I'm not going to go and talk to them. And if the question comes up, it's nice to have something nice like that to refer back to uh, so that I can help them uh, have a great day at the fair because that's what they deserve. Absolutely. And I'm guessing you're probably like me that once you get on site and, you, and the, the fair spots you and says, here's where your trailer goes. Once you're set up, one of the first things you figure out is where the two closest sets of bathrooms. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Where the, where the, where the closest sets of bathrooms are yep. and, uh, and where, where uh, they can get the best corn dog because yeah. that, tends, that tends to be, especially I do the national peanut festival every year. Uh, you know, there's tons of corn dog, vendors there but there is the corn dog man there and that's all he does and that's that's where they need to go so usually it's where are the bathrooms and where can we find the corn dog man and i you know it's it helps it, it helps to navigate them there but you know I, I i love the fair so much because it it gives me a chance to to kind of go back to my roots of being advanced clown in the circus and and be an ambassador for for what I feel are truly some of the best experiences families can have together and uh, to be able to support that and to, to lift up the fairs that I partner with makes me, makes me feel like I'm actually doing something good with my time. Yeah. I really, I don't think if, if, if I wasn't doing fairs, I've asked this question, you know, if you weren't a fair manager or if you were an entertainer, what would you be doing? And some people are able to give an answer. I don't think, and I've said it again and again, I don't think I could do anything but but entertain. You know, yeah. giving that magical moment to someone, as I've said before, that moment where they come up to the fortune machine and they press the button and, and Condor says something goofy off the cuff to them and they kind of laugh and I hand them the fortune card and the moment they walk away and they're about eight or 10 feet away and I see, the, you know, I've got the next person that's come up to the booth and I'm dealing with them, but I see out of the corner of my eye, that person stopped dead in their tracks. And they're looking at their fortune card and they stop dead and they turn around and they look at me and then they look at the person they're with and they show the person they're with. And I, I know in that instant, they just had a meaningful connection. They that's just had a moment that meant something to them. And that's what we do at fairs is our job is to, whether they're there for an hour or all day, our job is to fill it with little moments Oh, whether it's the fortune machine, it's the laughing at the pig race, it's the, 
the thrill of of going on you know a thrill ride and flipping upside down it's the moment they're sharing cotton candy on on a first date all those little things mean so much to what we do into our communities and we need to get them back that's it right is, it's time that we we need to i think and i don't know how we do it but we have to start pressing our local governments to get us open because if Disney World can do it, if Walmart can do it, if the local gym can do it, I've said again and again on the show, our industry was the one industry that is probably most primed to deal with a pandemic because right. we've dealt with E. coli. We've dealt with, with uh, H1N1. We've dealt with all these viruses and outbreaks. Uh, this is nothing new for us. We just need to scale our response. And yet we're still told, no, you can't open. It's infuriating. It, it, it is infuriating and it's, uh, it's very, it, yeah, it's very sad, but, uh, you know, I'm hopeful and, and, uh, that it's coming back very soon and, uh, you know, we can do what we can do and we'll do whatever we can do to help push that along the best we can. Yeah, I agree. I'm curious from you, is there anything, you know, now as a performer that you wish you'd known when, you know, 10 or 15 years ago? <laughs> it's a loaded question from one performer to another. Um, you know, I, so here, here's one thing I wish I knew that I, that I know now is that I don't write my material for children anymore. I write my material for teens and adults. Children are automatically, automatically going to love what I do. My goal now is to get families to sit on my bleachers at the fair, put down the cell phone and enjoy a moment together for a half hour to go away from that moment and still talk about it. And again, kids are automatically going to love what Louie does because it's stupid, it's silly, it's funny. But if I can catch the attention of a teenager and an adult uh, for a 25, 30 minute show, I, I've, I've met my goal. And, and it, and it came, I, I was at the national peanut festival, um, in 2019 and this dad came up to me after the show and he said, Louie, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. He said, uh, I want to thank you because you saved my family. I said, excuse me. He said, you saved my family. We came here last year, uh, to the peanut festival and we were, my wife and I were on the verge of a divorce. My teenage wow. kids hated us. And, you know, my youngest kid only saw this, this, you know, bad energy and really didn't have any connection with us. And I said, oh, well, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't understand how I have anything to do with that. But and he said, no, let me tell you. He said, we came and sat here at your show last year and we watched your show and we laughed for the first time as a family in a long time. And when we left here, we couldn't stop talking about this stupid clown show that we saw and the stupid stuff that he did. And it went, we went home and we sat around the dinner table and ate our fair food together. And that started us spending time together, finding fun things to do. And he said, it was all because of your stupid little clown show. And <laughs> that my marriage is great. My, my teenage kid and I were getting along fine. There's not any negativity, you know, negative energy around. And, 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 I gave him a big hug and I said, thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed the show. And he walked away and I went, okay, that's better than any paycheck I could ever get. That's why I do what I do. Amen. All day long, all yeah. day long. You know, I haven't, I haven't had, uh, um, 
anything at that magnitude when you realize that, you know, you save someone's marriage. And, you know, the truth is you were the trigger, but they, you triggered something inside of them where they realized that marriage and that relationship was worth saving and right. they did the work. So it was them ultimately, but yeah. you were the trigger for it. You know, I had one moment I remember where, um, I was, I was doing conjure. It was here for city of Albuquerque event. Um, and conjure said something goofy to the gal and, um, I give her the fortune card and she stopped dead in her tracks and she looked up at me and she had tears in her eyes. And I don't know what, cause I print there's six or eight different fortunes on each card. Right. Um, but something about that hit something for her. It hit deep and they came back up later. I was getting actually getting packed up and, um, she and her friends came up. She was probably, I don't know, 16. Um, she and her friends came up to me and she hardly, she didn't, she was hardly speaking cause she was, I guess she was kind of shy, but her friend said, you know, you made my friend cry. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. What a, you know, thinking I'd upset her. Right. And they were like, no, 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 not, it's not a, it's a good thing. You just, you gave her this fortune card and it was the first time that, that anyone had ever told her that she had value. Yep. something to that effect. And I was like, and I forget exactly what the card was. That was back in probably 14 or 15. Right. Um, but it was just one of those, you know, I just put on all my fortune cards, just have a real something positive on them, something right. encouraging. Um, and this card clearly had some said, to, you know, something about you have value and, and don't ever let anyone take that value away from you or something to that okay. effect. And she was, you could tell she was, she'd probably been a girl who, you know, dated guys who treated her like garbage or something like that. And, but for that one brief moment, she was like, I've got value. That's I matter. Right. Yep. And, and that meant a lot um, to her at the time. And so, you know, I know we look at, at, you know, major entertainers and celebrities, you look at, you know, it takes someone like Garth Brooks or, or Oprah Winfrey to inspire and change lives. But Believe me, a, a little county fair entertainer can definitely change lives. Oh, from Absolutely the trenches can. every time we go out, and that should be the mission. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I love what I do. I, I love the fair industry and what it's brought to me and my family. Um, but I, I love more what I'm able to give back as a thank yeah. you what, to an industry that's brought me so much. Yeah. It's an incredible industry. It's a great industry, not only for individuals, but for families. And I kind of want to pivot here real quick because um, we're getting towards being about out of time. But uh, on the family side of things, how is Rebecca doing? If I'm not mistaken, uh, I think I saw a photo she may have posted of a cute little boy on a tractor and making a special announcement. Yeah, we have a baby girl that'll be here in, in like a month and a half. So she's, she's doing great, but we are, we are very excited for this, uh, for this new addition and the baby girl to get here. And, uh, you know, I, I am very excited about having a baby girl. That's um, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So she's doing great. Every, everything's, everything's going along with that just fine. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I say this not to be, you know, over, whatever, but we, we really are blessed more than we deserve. So, you know, we're doing, we're doing great. 
And uh, little Ashton, how's he doing? How's he? Is he ready to be a, a big brother? He, he, you know, he is more ready than we expected him to be. And from day one, as soon as he found out there was a baby in mommy's tummy, he said, it's going to be a girl. And, uh, and you know, Hey, we, Hey, Hey, he's going to take my job as the fortune I, machine. I tell you day. what, man, he, he was <laughs> all over that. And uh, he's had a couple of those this, the last few months, uh, my, my in-laws had a, had a wreck. They're fine, but they, they had to get rid of their truck. And he said, they're going to get a red truck. And didn't tell any, we didn't tell them. They didn't, you know, we just, yeah, whatever. And sure enough, they pulled up with a red truck in the driveway and Rebecca and I were like, holy crap, he, he called this and he called it was going to be a girl. And I asked for the lottery numbers. Yeah, I was going to say, does he know anything about the Powerball? We we didn't, we didn't get anything out of that, but uh, (laughs) he knew about the other stuff, but Ashton's doing good. He's excited. You know, he's four now, which is really hard for me to wrap my mind around. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, he's doing great. We're, we're all just hanging in there one day so, at a time. So he's too young to have been impacted by school closures and whatnot yet. He, he hasn't yeah, seen that. He, he hasn't seen that. He, uh, you know, he, uh, he, my, I, I'm blessed because we have a great kid who, uh, who's just kind of like, a, he just goes along with everything. So when the whole masks thing came up, uh, he loved wearing the mask cause it was just another piece of clothing and it had dinosaurs on it. And, right. you know, he, he, he's been totally cool about the whole thing. And, um, yeah, so he, he doesn't, he understands some things different, but he doesn't fully understand what's going on. So I yeah. think, I think, you know, as far as that goes, we'll probably get out of most of it before he even knows what it is before he reads about it in a history book somewhere. Well, so. I hope that's the case. Cause I tell you what, having a 10 year old who's um, now spend every day of fourth grade on a Google Chromebook. He's, he thinks fourth grade sucks. Oh, I, not because of fourth grade, but because he just thinks the pandemic overall sucks. That's right. That's right. And, and I'm and, with them. Yeah, I, I agree. And we're going to kick its butt here soon enough. And, and we're going to get back out there and we're going to have fun doing what we do, man. That's just, it's yep. inevitable. It's I agree. Just, I think uh, if, I think if we can hold on long enough, the question is, you know, how much gas do, uh, do all these fairs have in the tank and how much gas do, uh, you know, us as performers have in the tank. Right. Um, time will tell, um, you know, Sarah and I, you know, we're, we're situated in a position where I'm ready to go when the phone rings, you know, yeah. I'm very lucky in that aspect in that my, you know, all my business stuff's paid for. It's sitting out there in the garage, just waiting to get loaded on the truck again and taken back out to a fair. So, right. Um, in the meantime, it's, it's nice that I've been able to develop this podcast. Um, we're finally starting to get some traction. We've got actually, we believe it or not, have people reaching out to us saying, I want to be a guest on the show. And I'm like, okay, that's great. <laughs> I'm down with that. Cause that tells me people are listening. Um, I'm starting to hear, um, you know, in, in the beginning it was, oh yeah, I was listening. That's, it's great. And then I'm like, hey, you weren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm hearing, you know, I listened to the episode you did with Courtney Conkle. And when she said such and such, that really resonated. Or I heard what she said with Marla and I really appreciated her, her candor and what she had to say. So right. there's now specifics. I'm like, ah, now you're listening. Now you, that's right. Now and, you're and we, we decided, um, I, you know, I was talking with, uh, with Cheryl flood, um, from the Florida state fair yesterday, we're working on getting her on the podcast, but she, we, I think we're going to do it after they, they run the, the fair, um, assuming they they're still able to get it in, in the spring. So that right. way she's got some more, you know, it's just it, timing wise is more accurate, you know, with data and whatnot on, on spread. Right. But, um, you know, chatting with her, 
she's she's listened to the show and it's clear that that people are really starting it's starting to resonate and and i told her i said you know it was the when you guys made the announcement that you were going to move dates that you were going to delay the fair that's and i guess that was somewhere in january beginning of january that's when we decided that sarah and i decided this podcast needs to keep going because we were going to stop at 30 episodes um uh, michelle richard's episode from oc fair and was going to be right before christmas eve was going to be the last one and then i said sarah and i looked at each other said we're not, this is not, we're, our industry is 2021. We're not just going to magically reopen. We need to keep telling these stories and sharing this information. And then, so that was the easy decision. Then the hard decision became how often are we releasing? Because we started right. releasing three days a week for a couple of weeks. And then we realized, you know, we can get enough of these in. We can, we can generate five days a week. And so it was like, what are we doing moving forward? Because five days a week, I got to tell you, is, is uh, tedious. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot to get these things out. It becomes the, a job at that this, point. Yeah. I mean, this discussion you and I are having right now, this is the easy part. Then it's like, okay, but I got to build the graphics. You got to cut the background out and do all the graphic right. work. And then you've got to, um, you got to get everything, build out the the segment for the you know, section of the website. And you got to do this and that and the other. And then you got to schedule all the guests and the, Yes, it's becoming a very full-time thing, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to overwhelm with content being released. So I'm going to make sure that by the time. I'm going to personally say I've been very thankful for, because it's nice to have a podcast dedicated to our industry. You know, I, I've been able to, there's, there's a couple of other podcasts that I listen to for entertainers where yeah. others from our industry, maybe one in every 15 episodes will be a member or guest on, but yeah. it's been nice to have this podcast where I can go and listen about yep. stuff specifically to this industry. So I, I, I love it. So, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad I, I appreciate that. Um, also highly recommend, um, if you haven't, um, Alan Bruce on tailgate entertainers, a terrific show. Okay. okay. Um, so his is the tailgate entertainer and he's got a lot of industry specific folks, Um, the one thing he, uh, uh, some of the episodes they're releasing now though, were, were recorded, I guess, earlier in 2020. Um, and so there's, uh, I'm trying to keep things within three weeks because the pandemic is changing so fast that if I record you now and I don't put you on until May, information may not be valid anymore. So we're trying to keep everything within about three weeks. Um, you know, I may have to go out to about a month out, especially if, um, once fair start reopening again, cause I won't have as much time to record, but yeah, my right. goal is through the whole year, five days a week. Um, I would love to cruise into a convention come, you know, late November, early December with, I, I forget what the count was. I think by then I could be at something like, um, 240 or 250 episodes. I would love that. That's great content. Um, you know, things change as this pandemic rolls on. I think there's really valid information that we can share, and and get out to guests you know and and i like that we're doing on the show we've got entertainers like you we've had concessionaires we've got fair managers marketing directors i want a really wide swath of 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 information to share so if you're an entertainer and you're listening to this hit me up you can email me robertsmithpresents at gmail.com tell me you want to be on the show we'll chat about it i don't want um I don't want this. I don't want it to be a pitch fest. You know, I don't want to have an entertainer on or, or something on that's just about, Hey, book me. But if we have discussions like you and I have had Lee, then I think it works really well. I think there's real value that can be brought to the, to the listeners. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, pitch fest podcasts turn are a big turnoff. I don't, I don't enjoy listening to that as much, but I think 
I think there are enough uh, people who are with it and for it and get it on the entertainer side that would yep. you know, that would be be able to add a very valuable discussion to this. So. Right. Well, and you notice when we started talking, I, I want to give the audience enough and give you an opportunity to share enough about your show so that the audience, be the other entertainers or fair managers or entertainment directors or whoever's listening, that right. they, have an, they have an understanding of where you fit into the industry. But then we're moving on to how you dealt with, how you navigated the pandemic, how you, you, know, how you do different things throughout the year. And, and so I think the formats worked really well. I'm so just so grateful for all the people that have come on the show thus far. We've got one coming up next Friday who is a non-fair person. We decided we're going to sprinkle probably one, maybe once or for sure once, maybe twice a month. We're going to put a non-fair person on that's got an inspirational story. Somebody that can bring kind of a different perspective to maybe how each of us individually are feeling, you know, at this very difficult time around the pandemic and kind of give a little bit of inspiration. And so I am so, I can't announce it. I can't tell you who it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> but oh. next, it, it's, it's going to be amazing. It's, it we'll was, find out eventually on social media. Yes, you will know. <laughs> you will know. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll get announced. I think next Thursday, we're going to announce who it is so that people can listen on Friday when the episode drops, but it's terrific. Um, is a, it's a person that was, um, I met at a a convention. I will not say which convention. And this person was a keynote speaker, completely, um, completely inspiring story. So I'm excited. Looking forward to, to releasing that episode. And, uh, uh, man, listen, we can, we can talk forever. I could talk for hours, but I know we're just over an hour now and, um, I, we probably need to wrap it up. So I appreciate you being on the show before we go. If you've listened to any of the other episodes, you know that everybody who comes on my show goes through a little speed round of questions. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a handful of questions. No pressure. You okay. give me your best answer for each. Are you ready? I, I think so. I'm sitting down. This is, this is where I need to add like a drum roll sound effect. Something. Right? Something. Yeah. All right. Question number one. If a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? Steve, Steve Martin. <laughs> God bless him. He's hysterical. Uh, what's something you get wrong almost every time you do it? Oh, crap. Uh, scrambled eggs. You want to know what, what I get wrong almost every time I do it? What? Plugging in the USB. No matter really? what, oh my God, even if it says this side up, I will get it wrong. Yeah, I, 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 I swear I, that little I, thing, I, the, the plug flips as I go to plug it in, it flips at the last second and I mess it up. Yeah, we, we've now got a joke. Anytime we travel or anytime we're, we're home, it's uh, ask Lee to make the eggs because they're going to be horrible every time. And yeah, it's, it's rough. It's rough. What's your favorite comfort food? Oh, uh, favorite comfort food for me would be fried okra. Mm, my wife would be all about that. She's from the I, South. I'm so yeah. 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 I'm the Mac and cheese guy, but she's definitely the fried okra person. Yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Uh, which, which one original or next generation? Uh, I'm an original guy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair next enough. Okay. But original's best. See, I'm all about TNG because it came out in 1987. I was eight years old and my 
dad was the Star Trek guy from the original. And so he right. and I would watch the next generation. So, um, you know, I, there's a, there's something people may not realize. Um, do you remember if you watch the next generation, what one of the, what the last line of the series was, what he was last no. line was in all in that last episode was all good things. He looks at Picard and he says, see you out there. That's right. After, yeah. And yeah. I, so when I'm at conventions, that's, that's how I say goodbye to everybody. Most, only one person I think has ever picked up and said, Hey, that was just like Q in the next generation. I'm like, that's exactly where it comes from. <laughs> when I say goodbye to people, I'm like, Hey man, it's good to see you again. See you out there. Right. Yep. And, and so yeah, Star Trek, the next generation. That was it. That was it for me. Uh, okay. Next question. Question number five, what's worse laundry or dishes? Dishes. I agree. I can deal with laundry. Laundry, I can put in the basket and stash it in the closet and it's out of sight, out of mind. That's but right. I can't yeah. get away from the dishes. With dishes, no. Last question. What's the last book you read? Oh, uh, it was actually a reread. Uh, the Clown Star by Dave Bartlett. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a, really, it's, it's, a, it's a really good book for clowns. If any clowns listen to this, you, you need to read that book. Oh, well, I think a lot of clowns, even if they're not actual clowns, <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> Plenty of entertainers are listening to this, and we're all clowns in yeah, some regard. It's a regard. good entertainer book, too. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, Lee, man, I'm glad you could be on the show. I really appreciate your time today, and um, I'm glad you're doing well. If fairs want to reach out and get in contact with you, how can they contact you? Uh, LeeAndrewsProductions.com is the easiest way. Go to the website. Um, it has everything on there that, that I do. And uh, you can call me or email me through there. And, and uh, I would love to talk with you. Lee Andrews, funny man, entertainer, clown, all around amazing human being. My friend, I'm glad you could uh, stop by and visit for a bit today. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, buddy. I'm, I'm honored. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Air Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.